church. Heavenly Father, uh, it's a day of celebration and it's also a day of concern now. Lord, we, we celebrate you. We celebrate you every Sunday and we say thank you for being our God. But we celebrate Jacob following um, the path, Lord, of your, your call on his life and that he wanted to surrender and give his life to you. Lord, as a young 10-year-old, that's a, a challenging uh, thing to totally understand, but he knows, God, that you love him. He knows for sure that you died on a cross for him, and he believes that, and he says, I want to follow Jesus. So we celebrate his decision, and we pray that, Lord, that you walk with him, and he walks with you as he grows into being a, a young man who follows Christ. Father, we want to lift up Joe, their family, the Horn family, the Yeoman family. Pray for medical personnel right now as they care to him. Pray that you give them wisdom and help them to understand what's going on and what his needs are uh, today. Father, we uh, want to pray over this message. And we want to just lift this up to you, Lord, as we begin this Christmas season. And Lord, we think about the Christmas season. And for some, it's a, a great season. And for some, it's a challenging season. And so, Lord, today as we start unwrapping some gifts that come with the holiday season... We just ask, Father, that you would speak in this room. Lord, there's, there's nobody here today by accident. There's a reason why all of us have gotten up and come in this place. And Lord, I believe it's your hand, your move that draws us to this place. And I believe, Lord, you have a message for each and every one of us in this room. So help us to hear, Lord, from you. Lord, I pray that you speak an individual message to every single person here this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well... Christmas season. For some in this room, you guys absolutely love this season. You're the people that love to get the trees out and put the lights on, and you love to decorate, and you love to shop, and you love to bake, and love to have the parties, and love to have the friends over, and you love the gift exchanges, you love the Christmas music. You're the ones who were listening before Thanksgiving was even over. Some of you absolutely love everything about this Christmas season. There's others in this room that say, uh, I'm going to endure and I'll make it through it. I can't wait till January gets here. For some, Christmas season could just be very tough for many reasons. Sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to buy another gift because of debt. You, so for some, it's hard because you lost a loved one. For some, it's just Christmas is not your thing. You're like, oh, I don't get in all the decorating and all the setup and all the tear down and all that kind of stuff. For some in this room, it's tough to sing joy to the world when there's so much junk in our lives. It can be challenging. Some of us, Secretly wonder if it's really true that hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. We live in this spectrum of, I love it, I don't love it. I love it, I hate it. I'm somewhere in the middle. What is this Christmas season all about? And every year we come around to December, and every year we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and we really focus in and hone in on Jesus. But what is this really all about? For some, it's, oh, I can't wait to bake. And they bake like crazy, make dozens and dozens of cookies and breads and all that kind of stuff. For some, it's all getting wrapped up in the football season and food and all that that comes with it. I can't wait for the next football game and the next gathering. For some, it is that next party. I love to go to parties and love to be around all my friends and my coworkers and my church friends. And that becomes so important. For some, though, it's a sad season. For some of you in here, you can barely talk about it because you remember all oh, the marriage maybe that struggled or, or you remember a, a loved one that you lost around a, a holiday season and so this just brings up some of that hurt and the pain. Some of you have been crushed by something that's happened in your life and, and you've lost hope. Sometimes Christmas is a season where we wonder, is there really hope? 
See, hope is not only hard to find, sometimes it's even difficult to define. It's hard to put words to it. Some equate hope with the optimistic feeling that all will turn out well. We hear a lot of that here in central Kentucky every spring when we're like, oh, we hope the UK football team is going to be so good. You know what? They fulfilled your dreams this year. They won seven games. They're going to a bowl game. Isn't that exciting? Now, for some of you, that's what you hope for. For us Michigan fans, we hope for national championships, but I'm hoping with you guys. Bowl games. I mean, that's exciting. That's, that's the challenge we walk into. And, and we have these hopes. For some, it's wishful thinking. Whether it's related to weather, I hope it's nice today. Or I hope it's going to be nice tomorrow. Or a general feeling that some desire will be fulfilled. That, that reminds me of a story about Larry and Elmer who were out hunting in the woods and they got lost. And one of the friends says the other, he says, you know what I've heard is that if you're out in the woods and you get lost, what you have to do is shoot up in the air three times and so then you wait, and somebody will come, and they'll find you. And so Larry said, don't lose hope. All we have to do is shoot in the air, so let's shoot in the air. So they shot in the air three times, and they waited, and nothing happened. No one came. After a while, they tried again. They said, well, let's try it again. Let's not lose hope. Let's try it again. We'll shoot in the air three more times. And so they tried three more times, and they waited, and again, nothing happened. They decided to try one more time, but before that, Elmer said, I hope it works this time. We're down to our last three arrows. Sometimes our hope is even hoping in things that it's hopelessness. See, it's easy to get hurt when our hopes are high and they come crashing to the ground. Sometimes we're like children at Christmas time when a child wants a certain kind of gift and they open it up, it's not that. Sometimes our hope is, I hope this turns out really good and it comes trashing the ground and it's actually miserable. Sometimes we have experiences like this girl that I want you to watch. I wonder what it's going to be. princess shirt. I want a toy. That's not very nice. I want a toy. Bless her heart. You have to excuse me drinking. I've been struggling with a cold this week. Some of us are just like that child when it comes to life. We looked at life and we have this picture of this idea of this gift that God's going to give to us and we start opening up parts of life and sometimes they don't turn out the way we had hoped. And sometimes we're just like that young girl that says, I just want a toy. Your, your life sometimes gets filled with some disappointments. Maybe it was, I applied for that job and I was supposed to get that job and then when you open up, it's a rejection letter and you don't 
get the job. He said, I just wanted, I just wanted the toy. For, for some of you, it's when you open up the next bill at home, you're like, man, I, just, I wish these bills would be paid off. And you're like, oh my goodness, the debt keeps piling up. You're like, I just want a, I want a toy. I just want something fun. For some of you, you've been planning and thinking about getting pregnant, and you've been trying that, and that's been very difficult. And you're like, it's not happening. You just want the, you just want the toy and the package you keep opening. It's a package of, of disappointment. For some of you, it's been losing a loved one. A mom or a dad, maybe it's this year or previous years, it's, it's a family or friend, friend who, who you lost, and you're like, I just wanted that relationship to last longer. I just wanted the toy. I wanted the fun of, fun of it. For some of you, it, it's a child that's broken your heart. They, they've chosen to go A-word and do things on their own and not go in the direction where you've raised them, and you're like, I just wanted the toy. I wanted the fun of, of watching a child grow up. For some of you, it's divorce. You're like, I planned to get married, and it was going to last a lifetime, and it's, and it's falling apart. And you're like, I wanted the toy. I didn't want the pain and the hurt. This is not the package that I had hoped for. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. In other words, when it's put off, it makes the heart sick. That poor girl had a sick heart opening that package and going, it's not a toy. You had high hopes. You put... You put but your life has hit you hard. And so today I want to deal with this. I want to talk about this idea of hope and hopelessness. I came across a couple of Bible definitions that I think are very helpful, but it's hard to put words on it. Hope is a future certainty grounded in a present reality. Hope is looking forward to the future, but grounded in this present reality. Here's another one. Hope is wishing for what God has already promised us. Hope is looking forward to what God's already promised us. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31 that strength is renewed for those who hope in the Lord. Not in a package, not in a gift, not in a new item, but hope is renewed for those who keep their hope in the Lord. The word is more than just wishful optimism. In the Old Testament, it means literally to bind together often by twisting. It refers to the process of making rope by taking at least two strands of material and twisting them together until you have a rope. And understood in this way, hope means that I bring my pain and my life and my trials and my good stuff, and I'm, and I'm one string of the rope, and I bring that to God, and together I get twisted, my life get twisted up with God hand in hand, that I hold on to the specific promises of God. To hope means I wrap my problems together with God's promises. We could say it this way, is that we hold on to the rope of hope when it's hard to cope. The rope of hope being God. But in Ecclesiastes 4, God adds a provision to His promise and to our problems because it says a cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. The third strand is the Savior Jesus Christ who was born on Christmas, crucified on Good Friday, raised again three days later on Easter. He's heaven's child. He's the hope of the world. With Him wrapped around our lives, secure and firm and safe. Hope of three cords cannot be broken. God and Jesus and us twisted in there with the Holy Spirit. Hope of three cords cannot be broken. The word hope is used some 52 times in the New Testament and is always connected in some way to God. You could actually find those verses and there's enough hope to have a verse of a week that you could just live on in 2017. By its very definition, hope is something that's invisible. 2 Corinthians 4.18 urges us, fix our eyes not on what is seen, but as what is 
unseen. And that's fixing our eyes on, on the God that we don't see. Romans 8 says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has, but we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. And so Paul was exp expressing to those in Rome, listen, yes, you can't see God, but wait patiently and keep your hope in God. These two verses teach us that we're going to hold on to the rope of hope so we can cope. We must embrace the past, we must embrace the present, and we must embrace the future. When your grip begins to slip, to hold on to hope. Here's how you hold on to hope. You've got to look at past promises. The Old Testament looked forward to the coming Christ as God progressively revealed His plan to send the promised one. Isaiah 64, the prophet said, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, hoping that God would come down out of heaven. They couldn't see Him, but God, would you come down? And God came down at Christmas. And the first half of the Bible read people hoping and longing and waiting. But after Jesus is born, we see that the longing is fulfilled. A woman named Anna is an example of that in Luke 2.38 because when she sees the baby Jesus, she gives thanks and speaks about heaven's child uh, to all who were looking forward to redemption. She's like, he has arrived. That's the hope that we've been waiting for. For what things are you looking for this Christmas? I can just tell you, church, it's not going to be fulfilled in another party or another gift wrapping or another present opened. It's only going to be fulfilled when you hold on to the promises of Jesus. Secondly, to hold on to hope, you've got to hold on to the present help. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter if you're on a high or a low, or if you're, if you're being pummeled by pain or how much fail you're feeling, you can count on God right now in what circumstances you're walking through, no matter what it is. Psalm 46.1, the psalmist said, God is an ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present help in trouble. David Jeremiah has written a book called A Bend in the Road in which he explains how everyone sooner or later comes up against something unexpected or, or unforeseen. For him, he goes on and tells his story about cancer. And he talks about how his hope is in God. Today, this Christmas season, you may be great. You may, may, may my hopes are really high. I, I'm just on a hope radar. I'm off the chart, so to speak. But what about January? What about February? What about March and April, May and June and July of next year? What about the year 2018 or 2019? We don't know when the time's going to come that we need the present help right here, right now. What about tomorrow? Who knows what you're going to face tomorrow? Who, who knew that today we'd be talking about hope and Joe would have some kind of health um, challenge that we've got to hold on to the hope of Jesus, that he walks and carries their family through whatever they're walking through in this moment. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. The hope, Lord, Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. What are you hoping in? The key isn't to hope for something, it's to hope in someone the key is not to hope in something, but to hope in someone. Not to hope for something from God, but to keep your hope in God. To keep your hope in God that He has things in control. Romans 5.4 tells us that pain has a place in God's plan because suffering gives us the opportunity to persevere and to change our character so that we end up having hope that doesn't disappoint. And so our hope needs to stay focused in our Creator. Psalm 25 says, No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. There's nothing that we put to shame, nothing that will fall short when our hope stays in God. I love what David Henderson writes. He says, despair comes when we believe what our eyes tell us. 
That's when difficult circumstances play their hand, the game is over. There is no trump card, no other hand to be played. Hold fast to hope means being unwilling to let circumstances have the last word. Despair says circumstances tell us what is true about God. Hope says God tells us what is true about our circumstances. Circumstances you're looking at today, you're maybe going to face later in this week or in the next month or in the next few months. Let God tell you what is true about your circumstances. Thirdly, if we're going to hold on to hope, we've got to hold on to the future glory. Reminds me of a scene where Lucy and Linus are sitting in front of a television show or set when Lucy says to Linus, Give me a glass of water in her snobby way that she would speak to, to Linus. Linus looks surprised and asks, Why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for me. To which Lucy promises, on your 75th birthday, I'll make you a cake. So Linus gets up, heads towards the kitchen and says, Life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. Isn't that so true, though? Life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. We have something to look forward to if we're in Christ. We have the hope of heaven to look forward to if you're in Jesus. Our senses scream that this is all there is. This world is all there is. That life is the sum total of profession plus possessions, and then death ends it all. But this world is neither our home nor our hope. If you're a Christian, you're just passing through. If you're a Christian, you're just an alien, or the Bible calls us strangers. We're just visitors here. We're just passing through because our hope is an eternity that is with God Almighty. The Bible says that those who are wrapped in a relationship with Jesus Christ have the hope of heaven, a confident assurance of God's promises. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, If only for this life we have hope, we are to be pitied more than all men. I mean, Paul was telling the church in Corinth, don't just hope for this light. Keep your eyes fixed on the future. Galatians 5.5 5 encourages us to hang in there. By faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. By faith we wait, keeping our eyes fixed on what is to come. It is only as I place my hope in God am I freed from the compulsive pursuit of the next thing that, that I think will bring satisfaction to my soul. And sometimes this Christmas season sets out the satisfaction chasing. When people say, well, what gift can I get you? And you're like, I don't know. And you start thinking, well, what will make me happy? What would fulfill my, my need? Or, or what, would, what kind of dream could you help me fulfill? Or when we start giving gifts, hope then can help me through a tragedy of triumph, but not all the stuff that's wrapped in the Christmas season that's of this world. Did you know that Jesus is coming again? You, do you believe he is He is truly coming again. He came as a baby. He's coming again. He came at Christmas the first time, but the Bible says He's coming back. That gives me hope. When a scripture writer describes this event, they often link it to hope. Titus 2.13 says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, while we wait for our blessed hope, keep your hope fixed on the future. A few years ago, a government official gave out a phone number for homeowners worried about rising mortgage payments. He said the best you can do for your family is to call 1-800-995-HOPE, H-O-P-E. The only problem was that it was not the correct number. Leave it to our government. Instead of giving an 800 number, he should have given a 1-888 number. 
And so they tag the word hope to this need because they know people are looking for hope because most everyone wants a little hope in their life. But I think many times people think, I've been given the wrong number. I've been given the wrong direction. I've been given the wrong steps. I, I want to give you the right number this morning. I want to give you the right direction, the right steps. If you want to make your hope rope stronger, so to speak, there are at least three decisions you need to make. If you want to, to cope, then hold on to the rope of hope and wrap yourself in these three numbers. Number one is get wrapped up in Scripture. That's where hope comes from. Hope comes from God's Word. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the incursion of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Church, I, one of the hardest things as a preacher and one of the struggles in, in all of our lives is getting people to open the Word of God. I, I want to just ask you to stop and think for a moment. Just over this past week, if the Word of God was your source of food, for physical food, would you be starving to death? How many times did you open this last week and actually crack it open and just read it and allow God's Word to speak in your life? Was it once? If you only ate one meal this last week, you'd be pretty ill this morning. Was it twice, maybe three times? Was it nothing? And for some, the only time I ever get the Word of God is when I sit before a sermon and a verse that He shares here or there on the screen. If you're doing that, you're starving to death and your hope quote could be way down very low. I want to encourage you, church, you have a gift that you could, you could unwrap. That's the Bible. Why not this December, this Christmas season, open up that great gift and just start pouring into it and start anew and start afresh? Some of you say, I don't know where to begin. I like to suggest people begin in the book of John. If you haven't been into God's Word in a while, there's no perfect place to start. But I love the book of John because it's about the life of Christ. And you open up the book of John and you start reading at John 1, verse 1, and you pray a simple prayer, God, will you speak to me? God, will you help me get something out of this? And you read through the book of John just little by little, maybe a chapter a day. And then when you're done, go through it again and start having a steady diet of God's Word in you and you'll start understanding what hope is. See, we, we need to know the Word of God and the Word of God is what brings hope. And today, if you're here and you're struggling with being down and discouraged and out and, and hopelessness, then maybe it's because you need the Word of God in your life. Number two, get wrapped up in the Savior. If you want to understand hope. You've got to get wrapped up in the Savior. Jesus is Savior. In fact, that's what his name means. Matthew one twenty one says that Joseph was to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He'll save the people from their sins. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And the way to have hope is to have the Holy One in your life. Colossians one twenty seven says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When Christ is inside of you, that's what brings hope. The first part of John 14 says that the Word became flesh. It's the single most unique quality of Christianity that makes it different from any other religion. Is that God became flesh. God became flesh at Christmas. Jesus is the visible Word of God. That's amazing. Theologian calls this truth the incarnation. The infinite second person of the Trinity who created all things according to John 1.1 1, 1, became a soft little cuddly baby. Became flesh. The collision of deity and humanity had its full expression in Jesus when the infinite became an infant. 
I mean, God came to us. God became one of us in order to get to us the message of hope. The message paraphrase puts it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that explanation. For 33 years, God moved in to you and I's neighborhood. Moved into our neighborhood. The NIV says Jesus made his dwelling among us, which literally means to make one's tent. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up doing a lot of camping. Don't do so much now. Just do a lot of camping. We pop up our tents in a campground somewhere. And if you've been in a campground, you know you have one campground next to another campground next to another campground. And then there's a one behind you, the campground, and a campground, and a campground. And you start popping all the tents up. And one thing you discover very early in the tent camping world is that it's very difficult to be private and not other people know your business. Hard to have a conversation without them hearing your conversation. Hard to them not seeing what you're doing. And a lot of times, because you're in the tent world, we found we got to know the other people who are camping right there. And if we were there for a week, by midweek, we're having meals together. We're sitting around campfires together. We're sharing stories together. We're up to 2, 3, 4 in the morning just sharing life together because we're all camping right there together because it's kind of an intimate experience, so to speak. And you get to know people in a really close way. To say that Jesus pitched a tent implies that he wants to be on familiar terms with us. He wants to be close. It's not the neighborhoods we live in today. It's not the neighborhood you live in today where you drive in, open your garage door, drive your car, and you park it, and you close the, close the garage door and don't see your neighbor. It's not the neighborhood where you have a six-foot privacy fence where you can go in your backyard and do your thing, maybe peek over and see what the neighbor's doing, and then say, ah, I keep doing my thing. No, Jesus' neighborhood had no fences. Jesus' neighborhood, the garage doors were wide open, the windows were wide open, the front doors wide open. He says, I'm in your neighborhood. Let's get to know one another because he's our Savior. Get wrapped up in that Savior. He wants to be close to you. He wants to know you in an intimate way. He wants you to open his life, your life to him, and just be real with them. Thirdly, get wrapped up in salvation. Get wrapped up in salvation. I drive a 2003 Buick. Nearly has 170,000 miles on it. I bought it in 2006 for $5,000. Someone made me a really nice deal, and I had the money and said, I'll take it been a really good car have had no major problems yes uh you know 10 years ago i looked like i was driving my old man buick and now the old man buick fixed the old man so it works but the car's been good to me it's showing some age because it's getting old i just hope it'll keep running i'm hoping it'll get past 200,000 miles before i have to replace it the ac kind of works but right now i'm, I'm okay with that this this time of year we're, we're good with that um the antenna is loose. I always have to go back and double check, make sure it's not falling off because I won't get radio stations. Uh, the speakers rattle if I turn it the wrong way or if I sit the wrong way in the car. And so sometimes the radio comes on, I turn it on, it's all rattling, I just turn it off, sometimes it works. Uh, the windows, three of them don't go up and down. Matter of fact, I have PVC pipe or a board stuck inside of it just to keep the window closed. Like, oh, I'm not going to spend the money. It's an old car. We don't need to invest into it. We've become accustomed to the lights, a different gauge is lighting up like a Christmas tree on the front dash. The system check light, the anti-lock brakes light, the check engine light, they all come on as soon as I turn the car on. Now you say, well, Brian, why don't you go get that fixed? I think it's festive. You're wrong. 
several warning lights. I just ignore them. You say, why do you ignore them? Well, because a few years ago, I was having problems with my anti-lock brakes, and I didn't want to spend like a grand trying to figure out how to fix the anti-lock brakes. And a mechanic said, here's how you fix it. And he just pulled a, a, a fuse out, and he said, it'll make some other things light up on your dashboard. I said, well, how do I know? He said, did you ever like drive with no anti-lock brakes? I said, that's how I learned to drive. He said, you just pump, right? I said, yeah, I can pump my foot. He says, you're now the anti-lock brake. I said, okay, I'll do that. I said, but what about other things? He said, I don't know. Just go by feel. So I drive my car by feel, and I have a little concern, though. Because I wonder, is there a warning light that might go off that I should be paying attention to? Is there a warning light that might go off that might tell me, Brian, you're dangerously low on oil, and maybe if you put that oil in, the car's not going to blow up or destroy, because I don't want to be out on the road and to die, and I don't want to be at some parking lot and not start. I like the car to keep going. But I wondered this morning, are there some gauges or warning lights going off in your life that you need to adhere to? Are there some warning lights that are going off that God is trying to get your attention about and the lights are flashing and God might be trying to get your attention even this morning as we talk about this topic of hope? You say, oh, what kind of warning light could that be? Well, let me give you some ideas of warning light. Do you find that your, that your fuse is short constantly? That you can blow up at a, at a real quick moment? That could be a warning light. Do you find that when you go shopping out in the stores and, and you're at the restaurants right now during this season, do you find that you're really annoyed with people and they're bothering you? Or do you find that, you know what, I'm real happy and joyful and peaceful and I'm really kind of relaxed. If you're going through all the stores and everyone's bothering you, that might be a warning light. Do you find you want to sleep all the time? Do you find, like, I just don't want to get out of bed? Do you find, like, I can't wait to get to bed? Do you find that kind of thing? That, that might be a warning light. Do you find that you have a feeling inside you that says, I don't want to go to church. I'm tired of going to church. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to a small group. I don't want to go to Bible study. I don't want to hear what that preacher has to say. Do you find that you want to ignore your parents? Speaking to kids in here. That could be a warning light. Do you find that life it just gets you down constantly? It could be a warning light. Today you can unwrap hope. You can unwrap hope by getting wrapped up in Scripture and unwrapped hope by, by investing your time with the Savior, but you can unwrap hope by salvation. By salvation. Let me talk to you just clearly so we understand. Jesus came so that you could be saved. We understand that, right, church? That's why God sent His Son. But sometimes I think we assume that because I just go to church and I show up on a Sunday, I'm all good. God's Word tells us very specifically what it means to be saved. Let me just give it to you very simply. First of all, you have to admit that you're a sinner. That's what Scripture tells us to do. Ephesians 2.12 says that those who don't have who don't have heaven's child in their life, are without hope and without God. And 1 Chronicles 29, 15 says that our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. It's important to admit our hopelessness apart from Christ and to own your sinfulness. Because without Christ, the Scripture tells us we're hopeless. And so in order to become a Christian, a Christ follower, you first of all have to admit, I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. I fall short. Secondly, you have to ask for hope. The hope of heaven, Emmanuel, is Jesus came to take away our junk. The Savior came to take it from our, our sins from us, but it's not an automatic thing. He lets us choose that. If it was an automatic thing, then we'd be like puppets on the string. But if we're not puppets on a string. He gives us choice, and we must ask Him to do so. If you want hope, you must cry out for help. You must say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need your help. 
I can't make it through this day without you, God. I can't make it through this life without you, God. And so we got to choose that. Thirdly, we accept Christ as our Savior. See, when the angel made his announcement to the shepherds, he personalized the proclamation in Luke 2.11. He said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Another definition of hope is to trust. It's time to trust Christ today because he has been born to you. Do you really trust him? Are you just floating through the motions? If you need some hope to help you cope, then you must receive the Holy One. You must accept Him salvation. I heard someone say these words that are so true. Life, life with Christ is an endless hope. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. Life with Christ is an endless hope. You continue in hope, but without Christ, it's a hopeless end. Hebrews 6.19 refers to this hope as the anchor for the soul that is firm and secure. Do you know Jesus? Have you admitted that you're a sinner? Have you asked Him for help? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? And then I think the, the other thing that we miss out on many times, because I think it's been downplayed in our churches today, is you need to be baptized. That's what Jacob did, first service, 10 years old. It's like unwrapping the package. It's opening the package and saying, Lord, I accept all of you. Here's what it says in Romans 6. It describes it. It says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in his death like, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's our way of unwrapping the gift. We believe, we accept, confess our sins, we're baptized, receive Jesus. Have you done that? See, it's interesting how we can watch children readily hear the Word of God and respond. And sometimes adults, you know, "Ah, I'm not sure about that. We want to argue it, we want to debate it. I'm not sure if I should do that. That could be one of the greatest gifts you have this Christmas, that you accept the gift the Savior has for you. See, we don't know what life will hold in 2017, but we can know the one who holds us. The one who lovingly wraps his blanket of of love around us. Do Do you want to know him? Are you walking with the Savior? Traditionally, Christmas has looked at the moment time changes when B.C. became A.D., before Christ, to now after, when he's now alive as a child. Today can be the day that you change your life by making Christmas very personal. It can be very personal today by you saying, you know what? Today's the day I'll draw a line in the sand. I'm going to unwrap that gift of Scripture. Today's I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to wrap that gift of Savior who wants to know me personally. I'm going to open my life to him. He's my Savior, but I haven't really opened up my life to him. For some, it could be I'm going to unwrap this gift personally, and I'm going to accept the Savior and give my life to him. See, if you want to experience hope, then you must welcome him into your world. You must allow him to pitch a tent in your life, so to speak. Allow him to wrap himself around you so that you know how to cope. You can hold on to the rope of hope. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. Hard to even grasp, God, that you give us your Son, that you came down from heaven in the form of a baby, took on a bodily form, human bone and skin and flesh and blood. You walked amongst this earth 
experienced our hurts and our pains and our sorrows and our trials and our temptations. And Lord, you overcame every temptation. And you conquered then sin by dying on a cross and defeating the grave and rising again. And Father, you give us hope by pointing us towards heaven. You give us hope for every day to know we have God who we can walk through this life with and hold on to. Father, help us to grab on to hope, to hope in Jesus. Father, I want to pray specifically in this room. There's some, Lord, who their Bibles have just become dusty books on their bookshelf. Or it's an app on their phone that doesn't get open. Lord, I pray that you will prick the hearts and the minds today that your spirit would just do some work of conviction in this room and that our Bibles would become open during this Christmas season. We grab out the hope through your word. Lord, for some of us, we've accepted Jesus as Savior many years ago, but our lives have been closed books to you, so to speak. We haven't allowed you in. Lord, I pray that today would be a day that we start allowing you in, that we open up our hearts and we allow you to, to pitch that tent right inside, of the, right inside of our soul and we allow that closeness to develop again. And Father, I pray specifically for some people in this room, maybe there's a person or a few who've never accepted Jesus as Savior, haven't surrendered their life to you and been baptized. Lord, I pray that today would be that day. And if it's not today, Lord, you would work hard in their heart and that they would do that sometime during this month even to accept that great gift of Jesus. Father, we thank you that our hope is in you. Our hope is in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our servers are going to come and bring you communion today. And as you receive communion, uh, you think about the, the birth of Jesus, and we think about the death and the burial and resurrection as well. I want to encourage you to focus your thoughts on the hope we have. And communion is about hope. It's the hope of heaven. And today, if you're here and you're like, you're talking about this idea of giving my life to Christ, you're talking about this idea of being baptized. You're like, I don't know if I understand that totally or, or what that means. Use your connection card. We'll follow up with you and love to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Or maybe you're like, I understand what that's about. I've just been maybe a little stubborn, haven't done it, or haven't been ready, and now I am ready. Today, as we continue to worship, anytime from now, the end of service, by all means, you get up, go to the back of the room, myself or some of our leaders will be there, and we'd love to welcome you and help you cross those lines, take steps across that line of faith. Let's worship God through communion now.